0: All right, Jim Nance, always appreciate the introduction there. Daniel Rappaport is my guest today from Golf Digest. He's a staff writer, Tiger Woods correspondent, podcaster at Golf Digest. This guy is the insider for all things Tiger Woods. And of course, coming off of the PNC, father, son, he was the guy out there on the course. And he was really basically the new Tiger Tracker. We've seen for, heard uh, and seen Tiger Tracker for many years on Twitter Daniel was unbelievable with the tweets that he got. We get into all the content and and how explosive and how uh, just engaging his tweets were last week and and the coverage of Charlie Woods and Tiger Woods and, of course, Justin Thomas and his father, Mike, winning the tournament there at the PNC. But some awesome stuff from Daniel Rappaport. We're going to get to that in just a second here, Daniel, from Golf Digest. Before we do, Encore Golf, I want to remind you they have... A special going on right now with Christmas. If you purchase a $75 gift card, you are going to get $100 in value. Very impressive stuff there from Encore Golf. Check them out on EncoreGolf.com. Instagram, they're all over Instagram at EncoreGolf as well. So I hope you get a chance to check out Encore Golf. Let's get to Daniel Rappaport here from Golf Digest. Probably the best person we could talk to about the PNC and what happened with Team Woods over the weekend. All right, I am pumped to be joined by the man who is out there on the field, out there covering Tiger and Charlie and the PNC Championship all week. The best coverage, without question, was Daniel Rappaport. and Of course, he's a staff writer and Tiger Woods correspondent, podcaster for Golf Digest. This guy does everything. Daniel, first off, are you
1: exhausted the next day? How you feeling, buddy? I don't know if I'm exhausted. I mean, it wasn't... You know it was pretty light out there. it was a scramble. it was you know it was Florida in the wintertime. it was pretty nice, so uh, I don't know if exhausted is the right word, but i it was it was definitely a great week.
0: did you have your a social media guru? did you have to turn off your mentions on
1: Twitter because of all these <laughs> viral posts? Um, yeah, there was definitely a lot uh i I got a notification from from Twitter that I had never gotten before being like, "You're getting a lot of notifications, like do you want to slow them down?" And I was like, yes, definitely. Um, no, I mean, it was like, look, there was no coverage and I understand, um, why that happened. I don't golf channel when, when these things are negotiated, uh, never expected Tiger and Charlie to play, never expected that to, for there to be any, anywhere near this level of interest, right? It was on Saturday, it was college football conference championship Saturday and NFL games. And then Sunday it's, you know, week 15 of the NFL season. This is a event that only usually golf sickos watch. Um, but this year was completely different, so I understand why that happened, but then that also created you know a, a desire for people to know what was going on and there was no shot link there was no way to track it so and and with obviously tiger tracker uh, on on hiatus I guess poor one out for for the goat um, the people needed someone to step in there so I was there and I figured I had a fully charged phone I might as well uh, do it and I, I didn't really plan to be tweeting like updates like that, but I on on Saturday, the first day I tweeted like they're off you know they've and everyone responded I, I tweeted like charlie hits it left and tight and everyone responded like we need updates we need updates we need updates so it just happened so how did that feel there that whole week to, to
0: get those opportunities to kind of track them um like you said you, you give shout out to the goat which is tiger tracker you give credit to, to where it's due that's awesome but what did that feel like for you
1: it was fun it was definitely fun. Um, you know you feel you feel like you matter you feel like people are are waiting for you you're 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 providing a certain actual service um which is which is a pretty good feeling you know you feel like you're helping people obviously I realize I'm not exactly curing cancer <laughs> and you're giving uh giving updates on an eleven year old's uh, golf game in a in a scramble but uh yeah it it was it was definitely a good time um again, not trying to step on any toes i'm not trying you know tiger tracker as we as we've mentioned is is a legend and if he returns um it's you know it's his beat but people needed uh people needed updates so and they got
0: them from you for sure this charlie story that we saw what did you think of um the reaction to it i mean there was a lot of reaction most of it was positive some of it was like come on he's 11 get it together people what did you think the overall reaction
1: you know it was predictable is the first thing i'll say um (laughs) You know, golf Twitter is almost, I I was—I don't remember who I was saying this to, one of my coworkers, but I was saying golf Twitter is almost like politics in that you know exactly how each side is going to react to something. There are pretty much no surprises and people tend to fall in line with a certain take and it's, you know, you can kind of guess with like 90% certainty who's going to have what take. Um, You know, I think to a certain extent, look, it's one thing if you are hiding behind a bush and taking a video of Charlie's swing while he's practicing with his dad at medalist. That's creepy, and you know, it's it's another thing, and and and, and it's another thing if you know you're kind of following his junior term. But look, this tournament was on television, right? I mean, Tiger signed him up. They, I mean, it was Charlie's idea. Start there. He's been ragging on Tiger to do this. Tiger signed him up. It's on national television. I mean. It was a huge story. And I think and, – and, and, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, it was over. I, and, and I saw some people saying, oh, there were all these things about, you know, how many majors is t- is Charlie going to win. I didn't I didn't see that. I mean, was that – maybe that was a thing. Maybe that was like one or two, you know, idiots on Twitter. But the coverage that I saw was mostly just fun. It was lighthearted. It wasn't, you know, can can Charlie follow in his dad's footsteps. It was just like, here's this little mini tiger wearing the same outfit, doing the fist pump, doing the, the tee pickup you couldn't help but just – it, it made everyone happy. I, I, didn't, I didn't see the sort of dark side of it that people complained about. Maybe that's just I just didn't see what they were seeing. But it didn't feel like it was this crazy, we're going to set all these expectations and make this kid feel a bunch of pressure. It just seemed like a fun thing. And, and I'll tell you one thing, he had the time of his life. He absolutely loved it. So I think that's important too. Well, what makes you say that he had the time of his life? I mean, in, in your talks with Charlie and with Tiger, like what, how would you, uh, you know, take away from that? Yeah, I mean, Tiger said yesterday, I was doing an interview with him after the round, and yeah, he said Tiger, he had an incredible time. And you could tell as he walked off the uh, walked off the 18th green, he just had an enormous smile on his face. He was talking about, oh, the Thomas has shot 57, you know, he loved it. He absolutely loved it. Um, so, and, and, and Tiger, I think, deserves a lot of credit for, he kind of took the sting out of it early in the week. You know, he made it clear, Charlie's not talking to the media. This is not about any of you guys. This is about Charlie and myself and our bond. And I think that that set the tone for the entire week. And I think people generally respected that tone and followed that tone. So I think they had a great time. I mean, they're definitely on the plane back home. I'm sure Charlie was giving him crap about three putting. I'm sure they were reliving all the shots together. It's it's another thing that they'll be able to share and talk about um, for the next you know however many years so I I, it seemed like they had a great time and it seemed like all of us watching had a great time so I think the people who are upset I understand from a philosophical standpoint but it just didn't feel like that was the tone of the weekend right
0: well here's the thing like um you talked about him being happy for for team thomas shooting 57 oh my gosh but there were some times on saturday where there was some serious trash talk between team woods and team thomas
1: what did you take away from that what did you see yeah it's just it's it's just kind of underscores how close Tiger and JT are um I think it's kind of this like friendship that really blossomed over the past three or four years um and and they're close and they're really close and it's not just Tiger and JT it's 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 a a family affair um JT's parents are starting to spend more time in Florida now so they are hanging out with the Woodses and and Charlie obviously having the golf bug now and they practice with JT and and uh, he's getting some tips sometimes here and there from Mike. So it's really like they've become really close family friends. And I think it's also funny that, you know, if you're close to Tiger, you better be ready to take to take some ripping. That's just the person that he is. You know, you're, you're close to Tiger Woods or anyone else in the Woods family, it seems like there's just this ultra competitiveness um, that they all seem to share. So, yeah, it was fun to watch. Charlie is... Uh, Yeah, he's got the innocent little face, but he seems like he's got, he's definitely got the trash talk down already. That note, that note was classic. And then you could kind of see if you rewatch the video, JT discovers the note and looks over at Charlie and Charlie kind of tips his hat at him. He's, he's, uh, he he knows what he's doing out there. Showmanship. This guy's like a natural man. Yeah, he is a natural. He's, it's, it's, um, you know, it was just, it was cool to watch, cool to watch him play golf, cool to watch him carry himself out there. I mean... I definitely wasn't that mature and control of my emotions when I was 11 years old. So, he's a uh, he's a cool kid.
0: Yeah, I think when I was 11, I was in Boy Scouts and I, I got the golfing merit badge. So that was the first time I ever played golf go. I was at 11, first time, and I was you know probably shot like I think I shot 65 on my uh, par 27 uh, part three course. So.
1: Could just, he would have just stopped it saying you shot 65. I would have bought it. You
0: know? Oh man. I know I gotta, I gotta, I need a better editor. That's what I need to do. Editor in chief. Um, but Hey, what you said though, about Tiger dishing it out. You've spent a lot of time with Tiger Woods over this year plus, uh, since you've been at golf digest, great role for you at golf digest. What's been a fun example of him dishing it out with you. You guys there on these little, uh, interviews and shoots.
1: Wow. Putting me on the spot. Tiger, um, wow!
0: It's your turn to say to say your sixty five story.
1: Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. Um, I can't remember <laughs> anything specific, but it, it, it just there's sometimes when I'll be talking about something, um, golf specific. Oh, I'm struggling with, you know, hitting a high block, or I'm struggling with, you know, this shot, and he'll just make a comment that makes it sound so freaking simple, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I mean, if I could just feel my right arm that's 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 the one that really gets me the most is like sometimes we're doing these instruction shoots or whatever it might be and you know we're talking about okay how do you how do you hoist your four iron way up in the air and get it to hold and he's like oh i just speed it up with my hands i'm like well what is what does that mean he's like oh you know i just kind of let my arms go faster than normal like yeah if it was that simple, I think we'd all be able to do it. The guy just makes golf sound like it should be. Yeah. Okay. No problem. I'll just do that. And and it'll happen. So he makes, uh, it's sometimes you you watch him and then we'll have these shoots and, and and he'll make everything look so simple. And then I'll go to the driving range and feel like, okay, now that I, you know, watch that happen, it's going to rub off on me. I'm going to be ready now to hit that high, super high four iron and then it just comes out super low. So it's, he, uh, he, he makes it sound really, really easy. And, uh, you know, I think it's hard for him sometimes to understand wh- how it isn't so easy for people because for him, it always has been. So if any listeners out there thought that osmosis works with golf, if it would yeah. ever
0: work, it would happen with Tiger Woods and yeah. Dan Rapaport, but it doesn't.
1: Yeah. I mean, it does. certain things that you pick up more so about like, you know, just kind of course management and like approach to the game, how you think about things. Um, you know, but as far as mechanics go, uh, I've been up close and it hasn't worn off like I wanted
0: to. Oh my God. Well, Hey man, uh, you did mention the note in the trash talk, the note, what did
1: the note say again? I I didn't see that part. Yeah. So what happened was uh, the day before on Friday, there was in the pro am Mike Thomas and Justin were playing in the group ahead of tiger uh, and Charlie and Charlie hit a ball right on I can't remember what hole it was, kind of in a pine straw. And Mike Thomas <clears throat> left him a note that said, draw hole. Like, you're supposed to hit a draw here, dummy. You know, you're not supposed to hit it over here. So, and, you know, he left it right next to Charlie's ball in the, in the pine straw. So, Tiger and Charlie decided to keep that note. And then on Saturday, when Mike hit one over in the bu- – or no, when JT hit one over – maybe it was Mike or JT, I can't remember. One of the Thomases hit it over in the bunker – they brought out that same note that Mike had written the day before and left it in the bunker and said, draw a hole. So it was it was there was some foresight. There was some planning involved. It was premeditated.
0: Yes, I did talk to Mike Thomas last night when he was driving back with his wife, and he did talk about some of the trash talk between them and how fun that was. Um, but, hey, I do have to mention, like, as you covered Charlie up close, what were your um takeaways in terms of just like him making the eagle on his own ball like some of the things he was able to pull off and the swag and the way he did it
1: what do you think of that yeah you know in the the beginning i didn't really know what to make of it because i don't spend a lot of time around 11 year old kids i don't you know, (laughs) i don't really know what an 11 year old's body or golf swing is supposed to look like but you could tell pretty early that it was going to be really impressive um I just think you know you grow up with Tiger Woods as your dad, and and you practice with him, you're gonna you're gonna subconsciously pick up things, and that's something that Tiger talked about this week. You know, it's not that Charlie is sitting there rehearsing the fist pump or rehearsing the the quick tee pickup and and the club twirl, but we all we all just we all take after our dads, you know, for better or for worse. And his dad is Tiger Woods, so he's gonna naturally have some of the mannerisms um, that Tiger has. And yeah, it was just, it's, it's super impressive. You know, he doesn't really miss with the driver. He knows that all the etiquette. I think that's, was really cool too. Tiger, Tiger doesn't have to like baby him on the golf course at all. You know, he knows when to mark his ball. He knows where to walk. He knows what to do. Um, Clearly he's been spending a lot of time practicing and uh, yeah, hugely impressive uh, debut, I guess you could say. Well, even little
0: things, he doesn't need to be coached on. I mean, he just, the, the thumbs up to Tiger, the oh, no, we're good, we're good. I mean, like that kind of stuff was pretty crazy. You were right there on the ground.
1: Yeah, it was. He, um, he knows what he's doing out there. He definitely, he definitely knows what he's doing out there. He knows how to relate. And he spent, it's not just Tiger, he spent a lot of time around a lot of pros. Obviously, JT, um, I'm sure he's played golf with a number of, of other PJ Tour pros that we maybe haven't heard about yet. So um, you, you grow up and you spend time with these people and you're going to pick up things accidentally. We'll
0: definitely move on to some more content here in a second, but when they walked off on Saturday, they walked up the 18th green, you know, JT like hanging with Charlie and just like that moment. And then JT posts on Instagram. This is like one of the great days you're always going to remember your whole life for you, Dan on the ground, seeing them, the dynamics, how did, what did you take away from that moment there?
1: Yeah. It makes you think of your dad, my dad, you know, it, it makes you, that's that's, it's golf, man. It, it just, it makes you feel some type of way. I, I grew up playing with my dad once or twice a week, pretty much every week. We still play together all the time whenever we're in the same city. Um, And it was a way for me to spend five hours with my dad every weekend, Um, you know, typically with the phones in the bag and, and spend the quality time. And it's, I think it's for these guys, for someone like Justin Thomas, who is in the prime of his career, right? He's 27 years old. He's, you know, winning tournaments left and right. Um, I think at times it can, you you kind of lose sight of the fact that of of the role that golf used to play in your life. You know, golf is fun and golf is something that allowed you to spend time with your dad. And when you're kind of caught up in the hustle and bustle of the PGA Tour, it becomes, it's a job. It is a job, you know, And, and it's work and you're traveling from city to city and, you know, you're grinding over seven footers for par and. And, you know, you're you're stressing about making a move on Saturday and getting off to a hot start on Sunday. And and it's intense. It's very intense. And this was the complete opposite. This was let's just have fun. Let's just be with each other. You know, we don't have to grind over six footers for par because we're playing a scramble. So we're probably not going to have any six footers for par. Um, and it just allowed these guys to have fun and to not care so much. And I think that's why JT had such a good time was because he could just let loose a little bit and just hang out with his dad.
0: Mm. You talked about JT and just that aspect of, of being relaxed. We saw him, you took that picture and it had an awesome tweet about it where you said that Tiger and JT are making a serious claim for golf's best friends. What makes you say
1: that? They're, it's just fun to watch. I mean, they just have a great dynamic. You know, I think it's, it's they, they, they go at each other, they're competitive. And I think it's, it's so another thing about golf is that, you know, I grew up not just playing with my dad, but playing with my dad's friends. And, and now, you know, if I go home and my dad's on home, I'll still play with them. And so it fosters these, these sort of cross-generational friendships that doesn't, doesn't really happen in the real world. And all my friends growing up and, and they still give me crap. They're like, oh, you hang out with all these 60 year old men. And I'm like, yeah, I enjoy playing golf with them. And, and golf kind of breaks down those age barriers, those societal norms of, I can't be friends with someone who's out of my age range and, I, the difference between 17 or 18 years between uh, JT and Tiger, and it just doesn't matter. They share golf together, and, and that's that's what makes their friendship. And I think it's awesome, too, that it's like a four-generation friendship because you've got Mike, who is like 17 years or whatever older than Tiger, who is like 17 or whatever years older than JT, who is like 17 or whatever years older than Charlie. So it's really this from generation to generation vibe. Yes. Well, speaking
0: of the Generation vibe, I mean, you see Tiger Woods. You've seen him in so many situations in your career. President's Cup captain, you've seen him all over the place. But what side of Tiger did you see this week? Was it anything surprise you about, about this side of Tiger?
1: Uh, no, not surprising because when he talks about his kids, he really lights up. He, it, it, you know, it's, it's probably the most important thing in his life. I'll tell you that. Um, it, it's definitely the most important thing in his life. And I think we all knew that Tiger takes parenting very seriously and he thinks a lot about it. He's a very cerebral person and he thinks about how can I give my kids the best possible upbringing? He knows that they are, it's not, not normal. You know, he, yes, he, he had a lot of attention on himself when he was growing up, but that's because of golf, because he was so good at golf and because he was a prodigy. But he wasn't, you know, his parents weren't famous. It wasn't like there was this kind of obsession with his whole family. And that's what Charlie is growing up with. And he knows that that is a very difficult situation for a kid to grow up in. So he's kind of figuring out, okay, how can I give my kid the most normal and healthy upbringing possible? And I think we all knew that he thought a lot about that. And then this week we finally got to see it. The only uh, look we had into it before this was the hug he gave Charlie after winning the 2019 Masters, which was just this indelible moment, right? That we'll we'll all always remember, but it's quick. Now we get to see the way he talks to him, the way he interacts with him, um, it it was yeah it was Tiger the father it was it was it was very cool to see. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, now that we've seen uh, Charlie on the big stage for longer amounts of time, as you talk about, what what do we expect going forward in terms of uh, when we might see Charlie next?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's you know that's his that's his call. That's Tiger's call. Um, he's 11 years old, so what I, you know he could. I wrote this weekend. He could wake up on Thursday and decide that golf is for nerds and he wants to go back to playing soccer. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't think that will happen because he seems to be really into it, but that's his call. You know, it's going to, it's going to come down to whatever he wants to do. Tiger will not push him. That is for sure. Tiger absolutely will not push him, which he says he learned from his father. You know, I think there's kind of this belief out there that Earl Woods was, you know, hard on Tiger and pushing him, but it's really, it wasn't how it was at all. Tiger, it all came from within Tiger. Tiger wanted that sort of drive, wanted that sort of dynamic. And so his dad fostered it. If Charlie wants to become super intense and super into golf, Tiger's not going to stop him for sure, but it has to come from Charlie. And I think that's another thing that we saw this weekend. Tiger is, I guess you would call him Charlie's coach, but he doesn't really say much to him when they're playing. He lets him do it. If Charlie has questions and he says, oh, where do you think I should start this? You know, what do you think the wind is doing? How, do, how should I hit the shot? Then of course, Tiger's going to answer it. But Tiger's not going to say, okay, what are you doing here? What's your plan here? He's, it's just not the way that, he, that he's going to go about it because he knows that that's not how – Kids, kids don't react positively to that sort of parenting.
0: Right. No, I would agree with that for sure. And, and that was evident in the way you asked questions to Tiger after his round yesterday in, in the dynamic with Charlie. I want to move on to Tiger and, and his schedule. You know, what do we think, what should we expect out of him? We know it's a U.S. Open coming up at Tory this year. So what are you looking at as we look to the West Coast Swing 2021?
1: Yeah, so sort of back to normal. I think last year obviously was just very strange in so many different ways. Um, but I think I think we have a pretty good idea of, of what Tiger views uh, his, his schedule as and, and what's a good schedule to give him the best chance to compete. I think he's probably looking at if, and again, this is all health dependent, right? Last year, he had the, net, uh, the back problems, couldn't play with players, so everything kind of went out the window. But, you know, I think he's probably going to start the year at Torrey Pines. I don't think that's a secret. Um, and he'll front load the schedule, I think, to try to peak for Augusta. I think that's I think in 2019 he played six times before the Masters, five or six times before the Masters. So something like half of his starts for the whole year came before the Masters. And one of the reasons is because he loves he loves the Florida swing. Obviously, it's it's close to where he grew up. I mean, it's close to where he lives. He uh, he's he's won a jillion times at Bay Hill. Uh, he likes the West Coast swing because that's close to where he grew up, and he's also played those courses very well. He's played Torrey Pines, awesome. And then he hosts at Riviera, even though he hasn't played that all uh, super well. So that's definitely a lock. So I think you'll probably see four or five starts before the Masters, and then it's gonna slow down like it has in the past couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play anywhere between um, the Masters and the PGA. And then probably he'll play the Memorial because he has a ton of respect for Jack and he's won that tournament five times, so he'll play that. Then it'll be the US Open and then a month later is the British Open. He could play Memphis. I, I you know wouldn't expect him to. And then it's right after that is the Feds Cup playoffs. So I think you're looking at 12 to 14 starts if everything is perfect. And I think close to half of those will, will come April or before. Hmm. Well, what do you think in Washington Tiger, the strongest part
0: and, and the part of his game that needs the most work?
1: Yeah, hard hard to judge this week. He said he really hasn't practiced, but if we're just going off last year, um, the scoring clubs, you know, the, sh- the short irons and the putter, the putting. He didn't have enough rounds to qualify for strokes game last year. But if he did, he would have been, I think it was like 185th in strokes game putting. And you don't need to be first in strokes game putting. You know, Dustin Johnson, I think he was like 50th this year. And we all know he had a pretty decent year. But <laughs> with Tiger not having the ball striking advantage, the length advantage over the rest of the field like he used to, he needs to putt better and he needs to hit his wedges and short irons closer. It just wasn't, it wasn't as dialed this year. It wasn't as sharp. Um, and I think part of that has to do with just not having any sort of rhythm, not having any sort of playing a bunch of weeks in a row. So to the point where you can start to really feel your yardages, uh, feel your distance control, feel your kind of in your, your trajectory. He needs to, he needs to be able to, yeah, just, just uh, be more effective with the scoring clubs and, and, and be able to, it also seemed like this year there was, or, or this past year, he would have little five or six hole spurts, or even one or two rounds where he would really look the part, and then he just couldn't put it together for seventy two holes. So he needs to find the way to turn those seventy fours into seventies, and I think the way to do that is to putt a lot better, uh, chip and putt better, while continuing to be an elite iron player, which he still is. So, um, and he, you know, I think. Having Charlie be super into into it is good for him. It's it's good for his motivation. You know, it's it's going to reignite his love of the game and get him out to the practice tee. So, I think uh, I, yeah, I think we'll see a better year from Tiger next year than we saw this year.
0: Yes, yeah, so you mentioned the five six hole stretch. We saw that at Riviera. The way he started at Riviera was unfreaking believable. Golf Twitter went crazy. We were talking with Daniel Rappaport. You can follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore Rappaport. Daniel, your golf. Well, so you're Tiger Woods correspondent for Golf
1: Digest. How would you describe your role? That's a good question. I get that question a lot. Um, so yeah, it's no secret, you know, Golf Digest is owned by Discovery. Uh, Discovery has this sub company called Discovery Golf, which is comprised of Golf TV and Golf Digest. And we have a deal with Tiger where we get exclusive access, exclusive content. He's back as Golf Digest's chief playing editor. So we do a bunch of instruction content. So I basically handle all of the Tiger content for Golf Digest, whether that's instruction stuff for the magazine, instruction stuff for the website, um, writing some video essay stuff, uh, and, then, and then just covering the, his rounds, his tournament rounds, going to all the events that he plays in, writing all those stories. Um, so that's about 45 50% of my job. Again, it depends on how much he plays. When Tiger plays, that is all of my job. But like, like we just talked about, if he only plays 12 or 14 events a year, you know, that would leave a lot of free time if that's all that I did. So I I do other stuff, too, for Golf Digest, Um, just writing articles. And and I have a a host, co-host a podcast called Local Knowledge, which comes out once every two weeks. Uh, It's sort of a narrative podcast different than this, where it's ours isn't really guest driven. It's more we write a script and it's a whole kind of a mini documentary. sounds a little bit pretentious to say that, but that's kind of the best comparison. Um, But yeah, so uh, when Tiger's playing, that's my job. But otherwise, I, I do other stuff as well.
0: Yeah, local knowledge, great. Listen though, you got Alex Myers on there and some other contributors, and you guys really put a lot of thought into the, the, those scripts that you say.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a cool experience. I've never really. I went to journalism school, and I this is what I've been doing. This kind of writing, it's it's a different kind of writing for sure. Um, script writing, it's you kind of have to think how is this going to sound, how is this? It's a little bit different, but it's been fun. It's it's very rewarding.
0: Yes. What are you most excited about for 2021 with covering golf and what
1: you do? I'm just hoping that we get fans back, man. I mean, it sounds a little corny to say because I'm a writer and I don't hate hit the shots, but you do get a rush. I mean, you just do. Like, you're inside the ropes and people are going nuts. And I don't know why, but the the players always seems to come to mind for me as the tournament that's like where I feel like there's a lot of juice. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because it was the first tournament I covered, but just that feeling of of – it feels big. You know, it feels important. People are excited to be out there. People are excited to see Tiger Woods. Um, it, was, it was a little strange this year without, without that. It felt almost, I think Graham McDowell said he felt a bit like a golfing zombie. Well, I felt a little bit like a writing zombie this year. No, not actually, but without fans there, it just, it just, it just felt a little bit strange. Um, I'm really hoping that, you know, by the summer or whenever it may be, we can get back to the normal dynamic of having thousands of screaming fans out there uh, at PGA Tour events. And then, yeah, hoping Tiger makes a run. See hopefully you know Rory 's back in in form, just just uh, it, it 's so unpredictable you know we, we never could have saw what happened with Bryson this year or you know, Colin Warkawawa emerging as a star that he did, so we can sit here and, and write all these preview pieces about what 's going to happen next year, but we really don 't know until we see it happen so hopefully hopefully a un- uninterrupted year, no no more pandemics, and uh, yeah, just get back to normal.
0: You talked about fans on the course and not having that same feeling. We were at the Masters together. We were at Amen Corner together a couple different times. I saw, you know, we ran into Peyton Manning. I talked to him a bunch. And what did you think of the Masters covering that particular
1: event without patrons? It was cool. I don't know if I want to do it again, but it was very cool. Um, As you know, the Masters is one of the hardest tournaments to cover for a few reasons. You can't bring your your phone out there, so you don't really know what's going on. The scoreboards are hand-operated and tend to be delayed and then and then the <laughs> one aspect that really is sticks out is that it's the only tournament that we don't get inside the ropes so you usually you can't see anything i remember last year in 2019 i was watching the final round in the media center trying to keep track of everyone who was making it run I mean, you remember it was a crazy leaderboard and after tiger stuck it on 16 to four feet or whatever you're like okay tiger's tiger's probably gonna win i'm gonna go watch this you can take the shuttle out there and just no chance to see anything on 17 or 18. None at all. Because people are 10 deep. They've been camping out since 6 in the morning. You're just not going to elbow your way to the front. So you couldn't see anything. This year, you could see everything. Every shot uninterrupted. Dustin Johnson playing the final round. You're right there watching, hearing every word that he says. Um, and, and it was also cool to see everyone always says, oh, the roars echo through the pines at Augusta. Well, so do the conversations. You could hear everything. Someone's talking a hundred yards away and you could hear what they were saying to each other. So it was a very cool, surreal week. Like I said, again, I don't want to have to do that again, but it was cool to be able to be that close to the leaders on Sunday without having to worry about, oh, I got to scramble to get ahead. I got to see what's going on 13. You could just, you just watched. It was cool. Yes. Well, as we wrap up the last couple of minutes here, what's been the most fulfilling part
0: of getting to know Tiger Woods in your role?
1: Whew. Yeah, I mean, just spending time around him has been the first couple times I, I did it was was really surreal. I remember the first time I met him was in Japan, it was my first week of work uh, for the Zozo. And before the Zozo, they had, remember they had that skins game with, with Jason Day and Becky oh, yeah. and, and Rory. And um, one of my bosses at Discovery was like, brought me into some room and I shook hands with Tiger Woods and it was just like, he, he looked at my eyes and I, I froze, you know, I just didn't really know what to say. I'm 26 and I, you know, when, I, when, when Tiger won, um, everyone always says oh, 1997 was when I first, no, for me, I was two years old, I did not watch that. But <laughs> the moment that sticks out for me was the chip at the Masters 2005 and then really, I remember 2008. When he won at Torrey Pines, I, was, I would have been 13 at the time. So kind of at the peak golf age, fan age, I was, I was really starting to get into it. And this guy, I had, it's super cliche, but I had a poster of Tiger Woods on my childhood bedroom. It was a Nike poster. It just said Driven. And it was a picture of Tiger holding the finish. So this is the guy that I, that I idolized. And getting to spend time with him, getting to see what makes him tick, um, has been really, really cool. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to have the role that I do. Yes.
0: Well, I had to follow up on that because you mentioned Tory Pines in the prime for you as a kid. You're going to get a chance to get back there at the U.S. Open. Tiger Woods is going to be there. I mean, basically, he was the last guy that won the Open at Tory. What are you expecting for, for how special that is for you?
1: Yeah, it's going to be amazing uh, to see him back there play that 18th hole again with under the U.S. Open conditions. Um, but it's a beefy golf course, man, especially <laughs> – especially for Tiger now, you know, he's not one of the longer hitters on the PGA tours. So he's really going to have to uh, plot his way around there if he's going to have a chance, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be special. I'm sure there will be a number of uh, video essays that'll give us all chills going back to that day. Uh, it's a good one for me too, because I'm, I'm from Southern California as well. So it's a quasi home game Tiger as well. Um, and yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, we've, it seems that we've had more majors at public golf courses recently and, and Tories is public as it gets you know like death page it's a it's a muni you know you're from san diego you can play it for like 50 or 60 bucks um so it's, it's it's fun to see these guys play the courses that that any average joe can play and and not just like pebble beach where it's 600 bucks you know you you can play torrey pines if you want to and i think that's special i think it's it's, it's awesome that golf is starting to put these biggest tournaments and its biggest showcases on more accessible venues
0: I'd be risk, remiss to not ask you in closing what your favorite memory is playing golf with your dad, who you're so close to. Ooh. I'd imagine somewhere in Southern California, maybe got you guys playing Tory, maybe yeah. you're playing somewhere.
1: Maybe, give me a second here. My Favorite memory of playing with my dad.
0: And I know you're up again. You got a meeting coming up in about six, seven minutes. We could always revisit this in the next podcast too, if you want to go there.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough one. You know, none, none like really stick out i've never i don't have a hole in one that came to my mind but i don't have one of those he's got a bunch of hole in ones but i haven't been there for him um you know it's it's not one thing it's more just like when when he makes a putt to beat me on 18 or i make a putt to beat him on 18 you know it just it just feels like a major championship and it's it's a moment that you guys share together and it's just so pure so it's uh i, I can't choose one but it's definitely something that i treasure that we can still do and hopefully for Many more years to come.
0: Well, my friend, not to make you feel bad at all, I promise, but my favorite moment with my dad, Brian Johnson, was golfing at Bartley Cavanaugh where I worked as a starter, cashier, made seven bucks an hour, and making a hole-in-one two days before my birthday, 2004, uh, before my 20th birthday. That's pretty good. It was a a thin, ugly-ass six iron that one hopped in and had no chance but somehow hit the pin. It went in. It went
1: (laughs) went in. That's awesome. That's very cool.
0: Dan, it's been great getting to know you here again. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Dan, you'll underscore Rappaport and great stuff, buddy. We'll, we'll catch you again soon. Thanks for joining me here on Beyond the Clubhouse. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, my thanks to Daniel Rappaport from Golf Digest. This, If you want to see an insider with Tiger Woods, the last year, this has been the guy. He's been at... President's Cup he's been in Japan as he talked about this guy has covered the world uh, has traveled the world to cover Tiger Woods and what a role he has done anybody would kill for that role and he has done an awesome job of course as we talked about the Masters there he was that week this guy is full of energy he loves his job there's so much passion that he brings to it and he's put in his time as well I mean in terms of Sports Illustrated. He was writing big stories for them before he got here. He was He's a Northwestern alum from journalism school there. So this guy is really uh, prepared himself for an unbelievable moment for anybody in the history of journalism to have this opportunity. I think it's pretty cool. So Daniel Rappaport, you can follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore Rappaport. And you can follow me again on Twitter at Johnston Garrett. I'm going to tweet out and uh, Instagram post a ton of video content here from Daniel. You're, you're going to see stuff on at Garrett Johnson Golf Instagram, as well as at Beyond the Clubhouse Instagram. We're gonna give you all kinds of the best quotes from uh, what he said from Daniel's thoughts here coming on Beyond the Clubhouse. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Merry Christmas week for everybody, and we'll catch up again soon.